the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we're honest, Christmas is all about gifts, right? We love those gifts under the tree. Do you realize as a believer in Christ, Christ has given you gifts? And they're not relegated to just December 25th either. We'll talk about that next here on Abounding Grace. Online at reformedheritage.org, this is Abounding Grace from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose with our teacher and pastor, Pastor Gary Wagner. We welcome you to our program today. As we continue our journey through Romans, we are back in chapter 12, looking once again at verses 3 through 8. Today's message is simply called Christ and His Gifts. Now, we're in part four of this little mini-series we have in the book of Romans, and it's here that we get an idea as to just how deep the Father's love for us really is, to the point that He gives us these gifts that we might grow in Christ, grow in grace, and help others along the way. Here's Pastor Gary with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. I have wanted to bring over and over and over as we have studied these gifts that these are really the life of Christ within the body. In and of ourselves, it's not like if we take a personality test of whatever form that we are suddenly going to discover the gifts as if it is some latent potential within us. No. These are direct bestowals of Christ upon members of his bride to reflect his fullness so that his life may be lived out within his body, the church. Jesus Christ is too big for any one of us to know him completely, and he is too big for any one of us to have all the various aspects of who he is. I will tell you here at the outset today, That if you are not mesmerized by Christ, my friend, you do not know him. If you do not give yourself to the Lord Jesus, then you do not understand him. Because one, once he rips our souls, once he works in us and takes the scales off our eyes, we want him. We want to know him. We want to serve him. We want to seek from his fullness life unto life. It is no wonder that John said, he must increase, but I must decrease. Or the Apostle Paul said to the Galatians, I am crucified with Christ, yet I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I do not live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Or as Paul said in Philippians 3, I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection. Everything I had before, he said, all the wonderful worldly accolades, the gifts, the recognition, everything I count it as rubbish, as dung, as truth now that I may win Christ 
and be found in him. So in Jesus, we have fullness of grace. Grace unto grace, as John said, and life unto life. Some of the members of his body reflect his preaching. Some of his members reflect his encouraging, his warm entreaty and coming up alongside and putting his arm around us and motivating us to continue on. Some reflect, as we will see now in verse 8, his giving. Whenever we think of this gift of giving, we ought always to remember that as Paul said in Galatians 2.20, The Son of God loved us and gave himself for us. The gift of giving is so fundamental that I believe in one important respect, everyone who knows Christ has this gift. Because every one of us drink of this one fountain. There's not anyone in here who knows the Savior who has not stood before the cross of Christ and said, I live Because he loved me and gave himself for me. And every day, the more we come there, and the more we sense this gift, this for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, the more it changes us so that we want to give as fathers and lay down our lives for our children and for our wives. And that we give as mothers without thought of repayment or of anyone ever appreciating one at all. And so that we want to give as young people. That is why Paul said in 1 Corinthians, why are you single? So you can have fun, right? No, the unmarried cares for the things of the Lord and he may, and and how he may please him And I ask you, young people, is that you? You see, if we have tasted that the Lord is kind and gracious, if we have tasted of this gift, that is what we want to do. Nothing else. Yes, there are and may be ball games and other stuff going on around us, and that's all great. But fundamentally, the driving motive of my life is, does this please the Lord? How can I please the Lord? If you don't know how, young people, speak to your parents. If they don't know, speak to the elders. How can I, if I have tasted of this gift, please God? You see, we need to remember, for God so loved the world, And that Jesus gave himself for us. And yet our pulse doesn't even quicken by this anymore. But remember one day, our last day here. When we hear the angels sing of God's love and mercy to sinners. And we want to hear that song again and again and again. And be filled with rapture and joy. We will find ourselves singing ourselves. Perhaps not even realizing it. Just adoring and worshiping. And then each one of us is going to ask ourselves the question. Why am I even here? Why am I not suffering in hell this moment? And then we'll see the answer. Because there won't be any more need of faith. We will see the answer. Look 
There is he, the Lamb of God, looking as if he has been slain from the foundation of the world. And he loved me and he gave himself for me. Do you think of this? Do you think of the gospel regularly? There is no greater way to humble our pride. There is no greater way to sweeten our personality. There is no greater way to make us ready to share with others the great things God has done for our soul and how the Lord has had compassion on us as to think often and adoringly upon for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The son of of God loved us and gave himself for us. And then from that fountain... And only from that fountain comes our giving. We need to be careful with this gift of giving. The word fundamentally means sharing. And it is usually used with respect to material goods, and money, property, and land. But we need to be careful to always tie these things to Jesus. Like, for example, when we want to teach our children to share. Or like wives when you need to share with your husband or husband with your wife or church members with one another. You see, very often we teach our children to be good little humanists, good little humanitarians or good little Judaizers by just saying you need to share. Well, of course we do. But do you ever follow with, but you can You can't, and that is why you need the Savior. Because only if we are humbled by His goodness can we be a true giver, and can can you truly share without thought of, now, wait a minute, I shared with you last time, now it's your turn to share with me. Wait a minute, I gave to you yesterday. Wait a minute, you got the front seat yesterday, now it's my turn. That is why he adds there in verse 8, he that gives, let him do it with simplicity. Simplicity. The idea means open-hearted, freely, without keeping a tab of how much I've given, whether it be to the church or in my family. Because that's not the point. The point is everything I received, I have received from him. I was a dead man. I was lost in the howling wilderness of sin. And had God not given his only son for me, I would be dead. And if you are dead to those words today, you are dead in your sins. Oh, be alive in Christ, beloved. Be alive and believe on the name of the Lord Jesus. Because he is the gift that was given to us to fundamentally change us from selfishness. And what is selfishness, really? It is the hellish opposite of being a disciple of Christ. If the servant is to be like his master and the disciple like the Lord, then the fundamental mark of Jesus is what? It is giving. He gave to everyone. He gave to thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands, food when he was on earth. And he has given to billions food every day since. 
everyone, whoever came to him, who was sick, he healed. Hope for the despairing. Some who couldn't even ask because they were dead, he gave them life. This is our Savior. He is our fullness. He is our life. And He gives. Paul said in Ephesians 1.3, We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. He said in 2 Corinthians 1.20, That all of God's promises are yes and amen. Jesus is bigger than the entire universe in terms of His fullness and of His grace and of His giving. And his ability to change us from selfish rascals, self-centered rascals, loving our own thoughts more than other rascals, into esteeming others better than ourselves. That's a tough one. I've had to ask for forgiveness many times for that one in my own life, esteeming others better. But I know more than they do. No, they're better. But I've done more than they have. They're better. They are more important than me. Because that is the life of Christ. That is ultimately also the healing balm for just about every problem in marriage, every problem in the parent-child relationship. It is to look at Jesus and to realize what he has done for each one of us. That when he laid down his life on the cross, he said to us, Filthy enemies though we were, you are more important than I am. And I am going to lay down my life for the sheep. The shepherd is going to be struck down to save the flock of God. So in each one of us, there needs to be a lot of thinking on that law of humility. And I'm telling you, it is humbling because not one of us has made the progress that we should. So just look to Jesus. It's not about, well, I think I've arrived now at this certain place. No, just keep looking because we cannot exhaust his selflessness Though he were the son of God, he learned obedience by what he suffered. Even though Paul says in Philippians 2, he, Christ, was in the very form of God. Everything God was, he was. He was the word. He was with God. He was God. All things were made through him. But he he humbled himself and took the form of a servant. So you young people. You need to be a servant in your home. Wives, you are going to be bitter against your husband. Are you going to be bitter against your husband because he didn't give you the feedback nor the leadership you think you need and deserve? Husbands, are you going to be mad at your wife because she didn't give you the respect you think you deserve? You see, we can go to all of the counseling sessions in the world. We can go to all the conferences in the world on marriage. We can read all the books in the world on how to make my husband what he needs to be or how to make my wife what she needs to be or how to make my children what they need to be. But everything really comes down to this. Jesus must break my selfishness. Just 
Jesus smashing the idol of it's all about me. I'm holding on to me. I have big expectations. And of course, it's only worse when those expectations are actually biblical. We can make an idol out of biblical expectations. I'm holding on to these, and you don't match up husband, wife, children, preacher, elder, whoever it may be. So I'm not going to esteem you as better than myself. I'm not going to lay down my life for you. I'm not going to share until you meet these biblical expectations. Boy, it's a good thing. Jesus didn't treat us like that, isn't it? Because if he had, we'd be in hell. Or we'd be watching the ball game this afternoon instead of being here, which in the U.S. is about equivalent to the same thing. Because that is the worship service or the religion of most Americans. Just remember, everything we struggle with, much of it does come down to deep, a deep-seated, I'm not going to let any of this go. He's hurt me. She's hurt me. I'm not going to let it go. I am not. I am not. I am not going to let it go. I'll forgive, but I'm not going to forget. But then you haven't really forgiven, have you? So where do we go to get the spirit? Well, there's no magical principles for, the, for this. Do these three things. No, we've got to go to Christ and be humbled before his cross and say, Lord, forgive me that I have not esteemed others better than myself. Forgive me that I have not been like you. Forgive me that I have not communed with you, meditated upon what your cross means for my life, how you humbled yourself and became obedient unto death. Oh, forgive me that I've held on to me and I've gotten wrapped up and therefore warped in my own expectations. Because as long as we think our thoughts, beloved, they are warping us. It doesn't matter how smart those things are, how philosophical they are, how sentimental, how romantic they are. To the degree we are wrapped up in our own thoughts, we are warped. The only thing that liberates us is to come to the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. And he will keep giving because he always shares his giving heart. Notice here, this is a gift. Some people in the early church, they sold land and goods, if you remember. Not everyone did because not everyone had them. And it wasn't some kind of forced communism where, well, I feel guilty this week. I better go and sell that house over there and give the money to the poor. That did not happen without a willingness in the person to do so. That is what made it so glorious was a willingness to spend and be spent for another. Paul said to the Galatians, though, the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. But I am willing to spend and be spent for you. That is what Jesus does when we walk with him. So you walk with Christ and you read his gospels and you pray his gospels. And everything you need to read in the gospels say, Lord Jesus, make these true in my life. 
Heal me of my leprosy. Heal me of my pride. Heal me of my meanness. Heal me of me, of my life, which is about me. Break my love for self and help me to love you and others. Then we can all pray humble because none of us are going to fully arrive at this goal in life. But we can all pray humbly, Lord, you increase. And if it means I have to let certain things go, then I'm just going to let them go. Because you must increase, but I must decrease. I'm not the judge. I'm not the savior. I'm not the Holy Spirit of my wife or my children or my fellow employees. That is your work. You must increase, but I must decrease. So every time you think of this gift of giving, think of the one who loved us and gave himself for us. Only a few things are more invigorating and enabling to the congregation than when each of us is walking with the Lord Jesus, abiding in his word as he taught us, praying as he taught us, and then each one of us seeks right where he is to serve some maybe, maybe have more money. Some may have more time. Some maybe have more energy. Some maybe have other gifts that wrap up and connect to this giving. But it doesn't matter. The Lord distributes what he wants to each one of us. But everyone is using what he has given to the benefit of the body. And then the whole body is going to grow and increase. He mentions the second gift we'll look at today. He that ruleth with diligence. The word rule here means superintending or presiding over. Undoubtedly here there is an office attached to it. The pastors and elders of the church. But remember, every one of these gifts has got to be tied back to Jesus. Let me tell you something I read this past week. That every Christian would have been overwhelmed by the devil had not Jesus ruled over all things to preserve us. This is probably the most important thing for me that I have read over the past month. That in the midst of so many sins, so much weakness, so much schism within the church, so much we could point out, well, I think this is bad and I think that is bad. And it's probably all true. But somehow... The Lord Jesus preserves his sheep and he continues to shepherd them. Some were persecuted, but they gave the good confession. And that was only because Jesus was holding them in his right hand. You see, he's looked at Revelation 2 as the one who holds the churches in his right hand. And some were blessed. And their blessing did not turn into a curse for them because they thanked God for it. There, that Jesus was ruling over all things. Jesus' rule. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10.1, is with meekness and gentleness. Now granted, he could be fiery with the Pharisees, and he could get into the disciples' faces. We've seen this before. And he could ask some very penetrating questions. But we know that. His general way with his own was gentleness, meekness, and kindness. 
when he came to announce his kingdom in Jerusalem, he didn't come in on some hot rod chariot. He came in on a donkey, you know, meek and lowly. Behold, your king comes to you. Are you ready to see him? Yes, but where are the purple robes? Where's the crown? Where are the attendants? Where are the trumpets? There was none of that. He's riding in on a jackass coming into Jerusalem. Again, to remind those who have and are called to rule, as Peter said, and interesting that it was Peter who said this, 1 Peter 5, 2, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but by being examples to the flock. And that from the fellow who got into a fight with one of the other disciples about who would be the greatest and sit on God's right hand and the other on the left. But now humbled, he says, we are not lords over the flock. Because that is not how Jesus ruled. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402-1484, Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org, and if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.